Hello and welcome to Management for Startups. Management for Startups is about learning management in small teams, businesses and organisations between 2 to 50 people. My name is Cedric. This podcast is never longer than 15 minutes, so let's get started. Today, I want to talk about finding motivation as a new manager. And this is specifically in the context of being a maker and then being t- uh, turned into a manager. And this is usually, you know, this usually happens uh, in the context of a startup. This usually happens when you are either a, you know, a designer or a programmer. Uh, maybe it's true for marketers as well, but I'm not. I'm not very sure about that. I do know that as a maker, uh, most of your time is spent doing something that you love, which is creating something from thin air. Uh, I was, I am still a programmer. My, my training in school was computer science, and I still greatly enjoy the act of creating something from nothing, right? Just basically thinking, uh, just, you know, looking at a screen and turning thoughts into actual code that actually does something. There's nothing quite like it, and I still get a rush from uh, programming uh, things that I can use. Now, I saw a thread on Hacker News uh, the other day, which I'm going to link in the show notes, where basically uh, this guy was saying, well, I assume that he's a guy, um, was saying that he was turned into a manager a couple of uh, years ago, and he's been in a hiring cycle for like six months, and he's desperately lost motivation and just wants to find a reason to keep staying in management. Um, and he said things like, you know, you, you're an individual contributor, you derive pleasure from your work, but then now you're a manager. And, and when you wake up and roll out of bed, he's this guy basically said that he was not very happy with uh, going to work and dealing with more and more Excel spreadsheets and uh, sort of tamping down on bureaucratic nightmares so that his team wasn't affected, which was incidentally the topic uh, of this podcast a couple weeks ago, I mean, last week. And he was basically saying that he no longer enjoyed the task of being a manager, um, even though he knew that as a manager, his job was to increase the output of the team. And sometimes he could look back and say, oh, you know, I made this project happen. Uh, it was because of me helping uh, the team and serving the team and enabling them that this project, you know, got pushed through and launched successfully. But even with these small wins, uh, uh, this guy was just, you know, not happy with the idea of constantly dealing with meetings of the meetings, rescheduling stuff, living in Excel, and all the usual craft that comes with management work. The good news, however, is that he's not the only one I've seen with this uh, in my time talking to and training managers, my old company, as well as talking to friends who are managers in other startups in Singapore. Um, I've noticed that not everyone is cut out to be a manager. And I think this is sort of common sense. Obviously, being a manager involves some degree of being able to speak to people and deal with people. And not everyone's cut out for that. Not, not everyone enjoys that. Uh, but it also is in the sense of like being able to be sufficiently introspective to say that, okay, my team didn't do very well, um, but the feedback cycle was because of a decision I made six months ago. And because of that decision, the team is suffering now and that's on me. So not everyone is called to be management, to be a manager. And I think that's sort of common sense. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, if, you are, if you find yourself in a situation where you're already promoted into a manager or the nature of your startup is that you have no choice but to be responsible for the output of other people's work, then what do you do if you find yourself in this person's, you know, in the same situation as this person where you find yourself um, being very resistant and being very resentful of waking up and going to work and no longer coding, which is the thing that you enjoy, or designing, which is the thing, you know, that you enjoy creating things from thin air. Um, well, if you are in such a situation, 
um, I have one story for you, which is uh, that Ken Concienda, like the really famous Apple software engineer who wrote Creative Selection, which is the software development process that created the first iPhone or created the operating system for the first version of iOS. He wrote that the reason why he joined Project Purple as the iPhone project was then known was because he was sick of being a manager. He didn't realize that a promotion into a manager meant doing very different things, things that he did not enjoy. And he found himself you know, completely dissatisfied and completely demotivated in the first couple of weeks after he received his promotion in Apple. And so here was you know, Ken who wanted it because he found his peers, you know, other people who had joined the team and worked on the first Safari browser with him though they were promoted and he thought that it was a natural progression for him to demand a promotion as well but it turned out to not be the case. And the reason for that is, I think, similar to this person who was leaving comments in Hacker News, which is that when you are a programmer, it's very clear what you derive your satisfaction from, right? You get satisfaction from shipping some feature or creating some product uh, or contributing to a product that makes people, users' lives better. And that's a deep sense of satisfaction in the same way that, you know, you make something with your own hands and you give it to a loved one. Um, that the fact that it brings joy and it is useful to that loved one gives you satisfaction. So I think being a satisfied maker uh, of software or design or, or, or hardware, whatever it is, uh, comes from that same deep satisfaction. But if you're a manager, where's the product, right? You're not a builder. Um, maybe you enjoy creating processes and new ways of doing things in your company, but that's you know that's a an acquired taste. And so when a maker becomes a manager, very often what happens is that he or she finds uh, themselves completely lost, right? I'm bored because the thing that brings them joy in their work no longer exists. So what do we have to do here? What can we do here? One of the things that I do have to caution is this idea that you can always just change your preferences. Sometimes it's not possible. As I've mentioned earlier, um, not everyone who wants to be a manager deserves to be a manager. Not everyone is cut out to be a manager, and I think that's common sense. Uh, but at the same time, we have to recognize that when you're doing something completely new for the first time, where you, you're not good at it and you recognize that you're not good at it and it's a completely new skill set that you have to learn, it's highly unlikely that you will enjoy yourself when you're learning the ropes. So when you're a programmer, if you're a programmer or you're a designer or you're a hardware engineer, if you think back to when you were first picking up your skill set, it's highly likely that you didn't enjoy the things that you were creating. Part of it is because you were not good enough. Part of it was because it was really difficult to learn those skills. But part of it was also because maybe you had taste or you had expectations for the kinds of things that you wanted to build and you just weren't good enough to put out stuff at that level of quality, right? So it's not as if you've never experienced this dissatisfaction with your progress and a dissatisfaction with where you are while you're learning the ropes of a new skill. It's that maybe you have forgotten what it feels like to climb that hill again. Um, and well, in addition to that, I would also say that it is possible if you are willing and you think that you can be a good manager or you desire to be a good manager, it is possible to shift your thinking, to provide yourself with a new framework for looking at things that will help you do a better job. 
And this is what I think uh, happened with me. So I started out in my company, my last company, as a uh, project manager in theory. But in practice, I was also coding day to day. Um, I was uh, deploying stuff to the servers. I was auditing code. I was uh, knees, oh, sorry, knee deep in implementation details. But at some point, as the company started growing very rapidly and we started being successful, my colleagues began, or at least the most senior engineer on my team began telling me, look, Cedric, you have to stop because you can't manage and code at the same time. And every time you code and you don't manage, something you know, uh, hits the floor. Some, some ball that you're supposed to be juggling hits the floor and we suffer. And so reluctantly, I uh, emailed my boss. I think it was a really difficult time as well because we had just shifted to product and everything was chaotic. And I said, you know, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to do like maybe two more weeks. But then after this, no more coding for me. And I remember thinking that, hey, you know, I'm not actually that good at management because if I was really that good at management, maybe I could have continued coding and I wouldn't have dropped so many balls. So I made it my goal to be good at management. Um, and I think that sort of dedication to being getting better at a skill is an incredibly motivating way of looking at the mess at my company. Uh, and that was one part of it. And the other part of it was, I remember thinking to myself, we can do so much better if we actually had a good manager. If I was actually a good manager, I think everybody's lives will be so much better and we can produce a lot of good work. So my framework became um, this way of looking at the team as the team being the thing that I was constructing, right? The team and its processes and its ability to execute and produce output became, became my product. Um, and I you know, felt a deep sense of ownership, not only in improving my skills, but in improving my skills with the express purpose of improving the output of the team. All right, so that 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 happened, right? And I and the rest was, I guess you can say, really successful. Um, many of my uh, ex colleagues uh, say that they have really missed me since I was gone. And I felt that I contributed a huge amount to the company growing uh, from zero to 4.5 million in annual revenue with absolutely no funding um, in two years. So that was a huge success. And I think part of it was, you know, I was very close to leaving at the point where I switched from this terrible uh, environment when I was where I was part coder to becoming a full-time manager. And I think it was that was a huge sort of step in my journey uh, as a manager, uh, and it wouldn't have existed if you know I didn't re I wouldn't have continued. Sorry, I wouldn't have been successful if I had not set back to sort of reframe the situation as, hey, my job is now, my product is now the team itself, and my goal is to remove problems one by one. So the very first thing I did was, you know, let, let's make deploys better. And then that, that became my project for like a week. And after like a week and a half, deploys were so much better, problems were so much better. Then it was like, okay, let's figure out customizations. Let's develop a process and organization for dealing with customizations and delivering business value with very little pain to my developers. And after like maybe two months, you know, that was another solved problem. And I was like, okay, now we have to solve salaries because uh, my team consisted of several people who were better at negotiating than others and they had higher salaries than the rest of their peers. That was not great. I could foresee that it would lead to politics in the near future. And so I went out and asked friends, like, how do you uh, do, 
think about salaries, how do you design a compensation plan? And then I solve that in, in another two months. And so this constant cadence of small wins contributed to me feeling like, hey, I was actually making a difference. I was making everybody's lives better. I was increasing the output of the team. And every, every time I remove a problem, I was helping produce business value and helping create a culture where everyone could be productive. That was deeply satisfying to me. All right, so that's my personal story, and uh, I thought it was help. It would be helpful to share. Uh, with that said, if if I take a step back and and sort of go back to our premise of like not everyone should be a manager, then how do you con? How do you sort of you know tie together these two threads? That a yes you can change your preferences and you can change the way you look at things. And sometimes changing the way you look at things affects your motivation. Uh, how do you uh, conflict, uh, sorry, how do you reconcile that with B, some people are not made to be managers as well as C, usually when you're learning a new skill, you, you feel horrible and everything doesn't feel as good as when you were doing something that you were already good at. And so my answer to that is, you should give yourself some time. I think that's sort of common sense. Uh, but at the same time, when you're giving yourself some time, it's not enough to just say that, okay, I'll give management a year. Um, it, you have to go out of your way and treat it very seriously, like a skill. In the same way that you went to school to study something that, that you eventually turn into your craft, whether it's programming or design or hardware engineering, right? You became a craftsman through a long period of study and practice, right? In the case for many of us, it's at least four years uh, before we became good at what we did. And so I argue that while management is... Uh, I mean, you have to get faster in management much much quicker than when you were, you know, training to become a programmer or a designer. Um, you should treat it with the same seriousness with which you approach programming and design. You should always sort of look at what you're doing and ask yourself, you know, uh, is there a better way that I can do this? Uh, if I make a mistake, is there something that I can learn from this and I will do differently next time? Uh, are there new metrics that I can use to track to measure my performance, right? Treat it as seriously as you would uh, programming or any other skill that you that gave you so much joy in the future. And then when you actually have, you know, really tried after a year or two, then you can sort of look back and say, yeah, you know, I've given it a fair shot and it isn't for me. Um, but, you know, you'd be surprised, I think, because I th humans are pretty good at um, constructing narratives that allow us to keep trucking along. And I think that's important to remember because I believe that a lot more people can be good managers if they put their minds to it, especially if they are called to. All right, so that's it for this week. I hope that's helpful. I know there are people out there uh, who, if you're in this you know, situation, uh, you tend to struggle. And I want to tell you that you're not alone. I went through that period as well. And Ken Consienda, like the famous software engineer in Apple, also went through that sort of experience. Um, so that's it for this week. Cedric out.